This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. My name is Scott Lewis. I'm the editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego and the host of Good Schools for All. If you're interested in sponsoring one of our podcasts and associating your company's name or message with the great shows we produce, please let us know. Contact Aaron Zlotnick at Aaron at voiceofsandiego.org. That's E-R-I-N at voiceofsandiego.org. This podcast is brought to you by Altus Schools. Altus Schools are free highly acclaimed public schools that specialize in delivering one-on-one instruction to students throughout your community. Students receive their own customized education plan to move them forward towards success. To learn more, visit altus4u.com. That's A-L-T-U-S, the number four, the letter U.com. Or call 858-678-2020. That's 858-678-2020. Altus Schools, a custom pathway to success for students. My mom says my neighborhood school isn't good enough. How am I supposed to know my kids are getting the best education possible? Welcome to Good Schools for All, a podcast from the investigative news organization Voice of San Diego and the Education Synergy Alliance. We cut through the jargon and polarized debate to get you the news and ideas that matter. Good schools are at the heart of our democracy and economy, and we're about good schools for all kids. We hope you'll learn and maybe teach us something. It should be an excellent school in every community. Enjoy the show. Well, I'm Scott Lewis from The Voice of San Diego. I'm Laura Cohn. How are you? I'm doing pretty well in this new year. Yeah? Did you get through the break all right? Got through it really all right. Yeah? yeah. Went you to traveled, Mexico right? City, yeah. uh, which is an amazing city and really affordable for uh-huh. Americans right now. Uh, we had a great time with food and Eight grasshoppers and maggots, and also some amazing mole. Hey, what's a what's a good vacation if you don't get to eat some maggots, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I um uh, we did well. My kids are uh, one of the things I'm curious about is when kids stop believing in Santa Claus, because uh, I'm actually surprised that it seems like it's inflating, like it's getting older and older. I kind of have that impression too. Yeah. What perplexes me is kids, there are kids who never confront their parents about it. And yeah. so the parents aren't sure it's if they still like believe or not. It's almost like they're playing the kid or the parents. Yeah. 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 My kids did not take that approach. They, <laughs> they were, they, when they started to put two and two together, they really called me on it. Yeah. My, my, my son was really drilling. I, so I, I found the value in it as a disciplinary tool, which is probably negative. <laughs> I'm a very secular person, and so it's it's a little odd. At, at first, I, I love Christmas. We'll always celebrate it. But I'm a very secular person, so it's a little odd that I create this omniscient, like omnipotent <laughs> and fat man that can like control my son's, you know, uh, you know, benefits over this holiday season. Yeah. And I I think I took it to an extreme because one day he was like, furiously like. Uh, stressed out and working on this box and I was like what are you what are you doing he goes I'm you know I, I'm going to the North Pole and I was like oh okay so that's going to be quite a voyage and he was but he was he gets in this like he's really serious like he's going to go and he's going to take he's going to take my dog and my daughter and my daughter they were all three oh, going to go on this <laughs> on this awesome voyage and I'm like well you know you'll need a boat you'll need all kinds of things to make this happen and he's just like, no, I'm, I'm going, I'm going. And he, he started got kind of, got kind of carried away with it a little. What was his purpose? 
Well, that's why he got a little carried away and a little upset about it. He's like, so what's going on? Like, why, why are you so worried about it? Because I'm afraid that Santa has me on the bad list and I need to go look. Oh, and it broke my heart. Scott. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I think it'll be all right. And he goes, I don't know. I'm just, and I was, I'd gotten him so like stressed and worked up about <laughs> it that he was like going to voyage to the North Pole. And, you know, you start to get worried. Like, was he going to just like go walk out the door, go north? Like, <laughs> So, yeah, they yeah. got to that. All right. So he was reassured on Christmas morning. Yeah, it worked, <laughs> worked out. <laughs> uh, so, well, so speaking of goals. There uh, you go. We, nice transition. Thank you. <laughs> we we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to graduate. And we also have special guests coming in. Uh, AVID. What's the, what does AVID stand for? Do you know? Uh, we should know that. Sorry. Uh, Sandy Husk, who uh, is running AVID, is uh, is coming in. This is a program that started in San Diego and is now not only nationwide, uh, but in several countries. Right? That's right. Yeah. So it's uh, advancement via individual determination is what AVID stands for. I had to look it up quickly. Um, so AVID is this, it's one of these hidden gems in San Diego. It's a, an approach to supporting kids to um, succeed in high school. It's an overlay on top of a high school program. Um, and it was born uh, out of the efforts of a local teacher, Mary Catherine Swanson. And she grew it in her school and then in the district and it spread across San Diego County. And now it's all around the world um, with 1.5 million students benefiting from wow. the AVID program and tens of thousands of teachers taking AVID professional development every summer. I've attended one of these conferences and the teachers are just so um so enthusiastic about how the um, approaches to teaching and supporting kids that they learn through AVID make an enormous difference for for kids. Yeah, so Sandy Husk, who's the CEO, is in, but also we have a student who's participating in the program and uh, and also the uh, principal of the middle school at O'Farrell. So um, uh, very excited to talk to them and, and uh, so stay tuned for that. But let's talk first of all about the goal of 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 K-12 education is ostensibly to get kids to graduation and prepared for the next steps, right? And prepare for the next steps, right? That's the key part there. So so I think there's a very interesting discussion and we're really uh, obsessed right now with what it means to graduate. What what exactly are we achieving with that and how is it evolving and changing? So what comes to mind first for me is we've been researching a lot about graduation rates, right? So the, you know, the basic story, this uh, San Diego Unified School District came out uh, last year with this announcement that it had hit 92% graduation rate and that that was far above what even academics just a few months before that had said was going to be possible because they had increased the standards or, um, you know, um, enhance the standards of what it took to graduate and uh, be ready for, for school. And, and far and, above of other urban school districts in our state and in our country. So right. that's an amazing number. And so so we were both uh, worried and, and interested in how they made such gains and how they got to that 92%. One of the things we found, we can we'll talk about the other th reasons they were able to get to that number, but one of them was that Last year, 1,381 seniors, more than 20% of San Diego Unified's class of 2016, took an online version of a course required for graduation, a so-called credit recovery course. This was Mario Coran's story um, a couple months ago. And that was one of the key ways that they were able to get a lot of these 
kids to this sort of graduation rate. And and just so happens 92% of them passed these classes. And there was a lot of really interesting um, parts of that. So basically, it's, it's, we're not sure how many of those students were like really dreadfully falling behind and they needed these classes to get through. Sounds like a lot of them were. Well, they wouldn't take a credit recovery course unless they had already failed the course first time through. Or, yeah. or maybe they just didn't have, or maybe they're super advanced students but hadn't taken some like little elective that they needed or something. No, credit recovery is only available if you've oh, okay. already taken the course because the premise of it is that if you've already taken the course, you may have mastered some parts of it and not mastered others. And so credit recovery courses allow the student to only work on the parts that they don't already So understand. there's sort of two angles to this. One is, you know, the actual like discussion of is that, you know, an education? Is that is that the rigor that is needed to sort of prove that this student has achieved what we would define as high school graduation. But then there's the other question of like, what is graduation then? Like what is, you know, if, if it feels like this is an evolution of what that concept really is, right? Uh, you, uh, you were making the point that because of the emphasis we've put on grad rates, there might be a negative incentive there. Right. We've, um, well, specifically San Diego Unified and a bunch of other districts have raised the threshold that students have to cross in order to graduate. We've talked about this in prior podcasts that um, it's not just the minimum state uh, credit requirements any longer for San Diego Unified students. They also have to meet the um, A through G requirements, which are the entrance requirements or eligibility requirements, sorry, for um, CSUs and UCs. So they've raised the rigor, raised the bar on kids, and uh, and so that that creates a huge pressure. They didn't want to see graduation rates plummeting. They didn't want to see it blocking kids from getting through. But it also meant that they've they reached for um, other ways to to get kids the credits that they needed. And so then also with this discussion about well maybe kids don't aren't just going to go to college. We should be preparing them for other things. So what what are uh, what are we aiming for with yeah. K-12? What if, what's your understanding of what we're going for with this with this whole system? Yeah, and it's so this is a really, um, I wouldn't say it's a debate, but it's sort of a transition moment in the education world right now because uh, in, the, in history, K-12 conceived of its goals just to get people to graduate from high school, and then we started thinking about college ready as a step beyond, you know, not just graduating, but being ready for college, and that college should be something that's available to every student. We shouldn't be sorting and deciding on their behalf whether they were headed for college or career, and but that just felt wrong. It feels wrong to a lot of, lot of us who recognize that, well, most kids are actually not going to complete a college degree right now for San Diego County. It's only 26%. Can we be doing more to help students find pathways that might include some college, but also might include job training or going directly into a career, but careers that are going to pay them a livable wage and help them support a family um, and thrive in the community. And so it's a recalibration that's going on right now and it's sort of um, bumping up against this college for all idea that was so prevalent that caused San Diego to raise its graduation rates to match the college eligibility rates um, six or seven years back. And meanwhile there's this whole discussion of you know technology and the evolving classroom what what education should look like what these 
you know, experience, what, what the experience of education should be. But, and obviously I'm, a, I'm bullish on what technology can do. I run an online news organization. <laughs> I can't really be, you know, uh, uh, anti-technology about what online can do to assist uh, people learning. On the other hand, if it, if it only serves to sort of dump, you know, kids that are, that are falling out of the, the mainstream and sort of, you know, get them whatever uh, stat they need to prove that we're still educating them, that doesn't feel right. It, it feels like online and technology needs to augment the experience of good education and, and maybe make something more efficient, but not necessarily just, uh, you know, just as a safety net. Right. These online credit recovery courses haven't been around forever because technology wasn't available to to all students and the, the coursework wasn't available. So what if the online recovery system is really what's enabling school districts to, to claim that they're meeting these higher graduation um, requirements? It's, uh, it's troubling. Yeah. Los Angeles, um, as a community, is also really struggling with this relative to their graduation rates. A lot of um, journalism and and soul searching among the um, education community in Los Angeles as well. Well, it'd be interesting. I mean, some of these courses, like the NCAA, the the, the college athletic body, s- doesn't accept these courses as you know legit r- rigor for for their student athletes. And so the idea that the rest of the kids are okay taking them, but but not athletes. Athletes have to be held to a higher standard. Is it's really uncomfortable. So yeah. yeah. I think this but, is. But what if, you know, what if it's not just a theoretical what if, it's the case that there are a lot of students who get to the end of senior year or get, sorry, get to the middle or beginning of their senior year and they're just one credit shy. They failed one class or, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, so would I say that that student should be um, prevented from graduating no. that spring when there's this, this credit recovery online tool that enables them to get over? these you know these rules that the adults have imposed on them no i you know i they should get their degree so that they can move on to the the next level but there's going to be some threshold where there's too much reliance on it when a particular student uses too many credit recovery credits or when a school or district is just deploying it in mass and not paying attention to the fact that so many kids are failing the classes in the first place that they need the credit recovery. Right. So we're going to be paying attention to that. There's a lot of those questions out there. You know, how much is it uh, affecting that? How much did it affect the graduation rates? So stay tuned at voicesandiego.org. I think right now, if we could move on to our what is working this week. Well, we're just we're going to use Avid as our what is working. We're about to hear from the CEO of Avid and a principal and student. And um, I couldn't possibly um, introduce something that I think is um, more of a shining light than what Avid is. So we'll we'll let our our guests um, tell tell us what's working. All right, deal. And our number of the week. So our number of the week is one third. So one way of asking ourselves. Are kids um, just meeting the graduation requirements or are they ready for the next steps is to look at the remediation rates in college. And there's a lot to that question, including how colleges decide who needs remediation. But I'm but let me explain that um, a few things that might be interesting. One third. So one third of San Diego Unified students actually go on to enroll in the San Diego Community College District. That's the desk destination, the initial destination for a lot of kids. And among those 
one third of our of our students who are going on to the community colleges immediately one third were not ready for college level reading when they arrived mm-hmm. um, and so that meant they that means when you're not ready for college level coursework you have to take remedial coursework the graduation or the um, completion rates for remedial coursework are not high and uh, it slows you down in getting your degree because it doesn't count towards your college degree and even worse um, two-thirds of students um, were assigned to remedial coursework in math mm. so it's it's a tough slog for th- for this big bulk of our graduates who end up in community colleges many of them are deemed by the community colleges not to be ready for college level coursework mm. all right well let's turn to our guests i'm very excited about this good job pulling them together sure thing Well, we have a packed house in the Great Voice of San Diego podcast studio in downtown San Diego. And uh, I'm not going to try to introduce everybody, so we're just going to go around. First, uh, uh, Sandy, do you want to introduce yourself? You bet. Um, So I'm Sandy Husk. I'm the CEO at Avid, and I started that in January of 14. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I spent 36 years in public education, starting as a teacher and ending as a superintendent. Right. All right. Chewy. Hello, I am Chuy Gomez. I am a senior at O'Farrell Charter School. Welcome. Thanks for coming. And uh, you're here still. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> All right. And Jill. My name is Jill Anderson. I'm the principal of the middle school at the O'Farrell Charter School. I've been there since 2002. I actually started as an avid teacher there and have slowly moved into an administrative role. All right. So let's establish some basics here. Tell us about O'Farrell. Uh, is it on the same campus as the as the high school? Yes. So we have one very large campus. We are a TK through 12 site. We have an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school. They're on the same, same large space of land. The high school is up a little bit higher up the hill, but we're all right in the same vicinity. And what's O'Farrell's relationship with AVID? We have had AVID at O'Farrell since the late 90s. Um, we started um, with an AVID elective class, and I began teaching there in 2002. I took over as the AVID elective teacher, and we slowly um, expanded our program and our AVID system that we have there in place. We were um, validated as an AVID national demonstration school in March of 2012, and we've worked very closely with AVID Center since then, um, both with training for teachers and with our the expansion of our system as our campus has grown to a, a okay. TK through 12. I think we need to establish first what AVID is. So can you do that for us, Sandy? You bet. So we're a nonprofit that's been around for the last 36 years. Mm-hmm. We provide a lot of different kinds of support to educators. And the passion and the mission behind that support is to be sure that all kids get the kind of Um, system, if it's affective support or instructional methodology, so that they are able to go into more rigorous courses like AP classes, Mm -hmm. um, that they graduate, that they have great um, choices for career and for college. And then we monitor them once they're in college to make sure that what we've done actually sticks. What does so that they, actually look like at a high school? Yeah. So it's an actual class? or Yeah. So we have... Um, Several systems, primarily what we do is provide the professional development support to the educators. So if the educators have engaged with with us for the professional development, then at their school, they will have an AVID elective if they're a middle or a high school. 
and the elective teacher and then a lot of their other teachers have all been trained in the same instructional practices. Mm -hmm. So the student is multiple times during the day getting the same kind of support on how to take notes, how to make presentations, how to frame a debate, higher level questioning. In the elective itself, which not all students have to do the elective, but in the elective itself, there's a lot more attention even to the goal setting and have you applied to college yet and how many colleges and taking some risks. How do you get into that program? Is It uh, it seems like something everybody should have. <laughs> it, well, and then that second piece of what we have is Avid Schoolwide. Okay. And those are schools that have decided that the effect is so positive they want all teachers engaged. Um, so, Chewy, how did you get into the Avid program? Um, I got into Avid in eighth grade. I was It was my first elective. And from there, I, was, I took it in um, high school and then continued into senior year. Did somebody tell you, like, hey, you should do this or something, or did you just see it? Well, at first, it was, I wasn't, um, I didn't choose it. And then until high school, they, um, they were doing interviews to be put in. And I decided to go back into Avid because I found, like, and it more interesting and helped me for like after high school. All right. I want to get back to your experience real quick, but I, let's do some more background. Uh, how, how big is the middle school at O'Farrell? The middle school right now at O'Farrell is a little bit over 800, about 820 students. How big is the total campus? Total campus right now is near 1,600. All right. This is, and this is a school you, you have to apply or you have to, you know, say, I want to go there. And then there's a lottery to get in or... Yes, we actually just held our lottery for the next school year yesterday. Really? So this is a hot topic right now. What, um, how many people get in out of versus how many apply? At most grade levels, we are able to accept just about every letter of intent that we um, receive as long as we have space. Um, mm -hmm. Our high school, our ninth grade class is slightly smaller, so it's a little bit of a harder to get into. Um, but our goal is that we want to take as many students as we can. And you said that O'Farrell is a campus-wide uh, AVID. We are school-wide AVID. Um, we are validated um, as a national demonstration school. Um, but as we have expanded and added on our elementary site, even though the elementary is not officially part of AVID, everything we do trickles down um, into from TK all the way up. I mean, our kindergartners have binders. So, Jill, how did how why did AVID make so much sense to O'Farrell? Why did you all decide to go to go deep and, and school-wide? We had AVID for quite a few years before we moved into that school-wide system. We had the AVID elective class. We had a great AVID elective class. It was doing well. And slowly, um, teachers were starting to see, hey, some things you're doing in there make sense. This works. I'm interested. I'd like to go to training. And so we slowly started sending more students to, or sorry, teachers to um, AVID summer institutes. And then we had a change in our administration, and we had our new superintendent, Dr. Jonathan Dean, when he joined us. He came down from Bakersfield, and he had been at a school there that was a national demonstration school. And he said, you guys already have the AVID elective started. Let's start to look at school-wide. And so from there, that was, that was our push to really start moving forward. And it was getting teachers on board, teachers realizing these strategies work. I see students finding success. I want more. And then we slowly moved to that school-wide system. Sandy, help us uh, understand the scope of AVID. It's just so impressive to me. So what's your reach nationally and, and sure. internationally and, um, and also here in San Diego County? Sure. So we're in about 45 states, about 5,000 schools throughout the United States. 
Um, we reach about 1.5 million students a year across the U.S., and that number um, grows exponentially every year as either we add a new site or a school like O'Farrell decides to go school-wide. So that's a combination of students that we're counting who are in the elective, or if it's a school-wide site, then we count all of the students in the building because they're all benefiting. And specific to San Diego County, um, for uh, 15-16 school year, we're still collecting the data for this particular school year that we're in, but for the 15-16, we were in 131 schools. And between elective and elementary, we were about 18,000 students in the county. Uh, we add, added another 34,000 just through school-wide practices, and that adds up to 52,000. Um, and then next year, we are, excuse me, this school year, we're picturing that we're going to add another four schools in San Diego County, which will mean we'll pick up about another 2,000 students. How do you pay for this? The schools pay for it with funds that are available to them, and there are a variety of ways across the United States. Some of them are grants. Some of them use what we call their general fund. Mm -hmm. um, schools also often will use Title I funds or Title II funds, but federal funding that comes to them that's specific for helping students who are typically um, uh, really smart, really talented students, but may come from families that don't have a long, long history of a college-going culture. And so we want to be sure that we're targeting those students so they get all the opportunities that their families want them to have, but they may not know exactly how to help them. Is it focused on college, then? Is it focused on sort of uh, that path? College and career. Okay. We've expanded quite a bit into career recently, recognizing that the traditional four-year university degree is not likely to be the path for every student, but every student needs to be prepared for some advanced higher education, whether it's through the workplace or at a career tech school or something like that. One of the things we were talking about earlier is just this evolving definition of graduation and what graduation is and mm -hmm. what it what it means. Um, and I think it's something I've been thinking about a lot with like some of the credit recovery courses and online courses and just what does it mean to graduate? What do, you, what do you think graduating means? Obviously, there's a definition the state has, but when you think a student has, has finished high school and is ready to move on to that sort of next step, what, is, what, what does that have to mean for that student? Yeah, well, I was a superintendent in three states prior to taking this wonderful position, wow. about 18 years. And the way I always picture it is I want those kids walking across the stage feeling fully empowered and prepared that they're not only walking across knowing that they got the credits yeah. that they needed, but they feel confident, they feel empowered, they have a path ahead of them, they know where they want to go, knowing that path may change, but it's it's the whole package. It's not just the credits. And, and I know that that's what we all want, but I think sometimes in public education, we have to go back to the inspiration and not just focus on the numbers or the tests and those kind of things. I mean, that's a piece of it. We want everybody to pass their classes, Chewy, <laughs> get their AP scores. But but really the whole confidence building and having a plan and a goal and um, the vehicle now to get there. So Chewy, how, what are your thoughts about that as a high school senior? Um, are you know what are you? How are you feeling like you are getting prepared or need to get prepared to get beyond just graduation day from high school? I feel like it's like I'm prepared and like being able to um carry on after graduation it's like I'm gonna take um my career further other than just like um a school 
like diploma and like being able to um, take like further steps and then going um, to like get the money to benefit my family as well, not just for me, but like um, like being able to become one of those um, students that will not just get out of school and just like carry on with my life, but get a career and, um, you know, my education will be bigger, of course. Hmm. Have you thought about colleges now? Yes, many. Yeah? Uh, I applied to like eight. Oh, so when you're here soon? Probably, yes. Oh, that's exciting. What what kind of path do you think you might pursue? Uh, I, I changed a lot when I got to college, so I don't, you don't have to be stuck in it, but... Uh, you probably want to be a journalist after this experience, right? <laughs> no, I want to <laughs> major into uh, medicine. Oh, good. Yeah. That'll work out a lot better than journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, so, if I could just interject real quick. Part, yeah. of the, part of the AVID curriculum is that the elective teacher requires them to apply to a certain number of colleges. Okay, okay. And they provide a lot of assistance in figuring out how to fill in the FAFSA, the federal yeah. aid forms, et cetera. Um, I was in um, Washington, D.C. at a meeting, and I was introduced, and this woman, came, young lady, came running over to me at the break and said, I was an avid kid, oh. and I was from California, and she's Latina, and Spanish was her first language, and she'd just gotten her first communications director job. And she told me that the reason that she got it is her avid teacher forced her to apply. All of them had to apply to at least one school they didn't think they could do, one that was too expensive, too far away too much of a stretch. And that's the one she got into. Mm. And that was the one that scholar scholarshiped her. So it's that level of confidence building that I think is so important. Well, applying for college now is a job itself, right? I mean, that, that must have taken hours and hours, huh? Not really. No? <laughs> <laughs> got it done quick. What was, so what's your stretch school? What's the one that you're the one really I'm wishing for? Wishing to go into um, UC, uh, University of Santa Barbara. Mm. So Jill, so tell us what um, you, you know. What do you, when you think about graduation? I heard Sandy and we talked to Chewy. When you're trying to get kids ready for graduation, and now watching all these technology, all these changes of just how we go to school now, it feels like it's completely up in the air. So what does it mean to get a, a child to the finish line of public education as far as the K twelve world? It is a fantastic feeling. It's a very emotional feeling. Last year was our first class of graduating seniors. And those were students that I taught when they were in sixth grade. That was my last year in the classroom. So to see them go through on to high school, to see that success in high school, and then to be able to see the, the experience of them, Chewy makes it seem easy, but I know it's a little <laughs> intensive to apply to eight separate schools, um, going through that whole process. Um, do, you, do you ever see kids get to the end, get through it that shouldn't have? I think they should all get through it. No, I know. That's our obviously, goal. obviously they should, but I mean, like that somebody socially promoted, basically, or th through the process, that they, they, you know, they should have gotten more attention. And how do you protect yourself or the school from letting that happen? I, that's one of the things we pride ourselves on at Fer at O'Farrell is we feel very strongly that every single student should get what they need. And so that means that we figure out how to get every individual student the support that they need um, so that those students don't fall through the cracks and just be socially promoted, like you said. Like, that's our goal is to completely avoid that. Um, we've put a lot into place in the high school. The high school team has an amazing 
team of teachers and an administrator and Dr. Dean um, kind of took the charge leading through that create the creation of the high school. And like I said, last year was our first graduating class. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we put into place is that in it, we have seniors who are in AVID and we know they're getting the support like Sandy has mentioned, but all of our seniors take a career in college development um, class. And that class is focused on what they need to apply to high school, to apply to jobs, resume skills, um, money management skills, all, some of those life skills you were talking about to help them be ready so that when they, whether they're going straight onto a college campus, to a community, to a community college next year, um, if they're choosing to go into a, you know, a, a family job field, whatever it is, we want to make sure we've given them the skills that they need. Does a feral have any way of um, knowing whether your graduates are thriving in college? You know, for example, it's really devastating when students have to take remedial coursework for which they don't earn college credit and can't get financial aid. So, But I just wonder, as a high school, if you're able to get feedback from the um, from the colleges about how your kids are doing. So this is our, this is our, like I said, that last yeah. year was our first graduating class. So this is new for us, but we are trying to figure out how to put some of those systems into place. Um, some of it is just word of mouth. We have lots of students. We create very strong relationships with our students. It's part of um, the nice thing about having a small school is that teachers really bond with students. And when those students leave, they want to come back and visit. And so as we hit Thanksgiving break and winter break, there was a constant flow of last year's seniors coming back to check in and let us know. So kind of informal assessment of how things are going, you know, what did we prepare you for? What did we not prepare you for? What were you completely surprised by? But we are trying to figure out how to better track that. Um, I know AVID has some things into place that they're tracking um, AVID elective seniors. And we're hoping that we have a better way to track some of that. Um, right now, it's very informal, but we're trying to figure out how to better do that. How about for AVID, Sandy? How, how, does, how mm-hmm. do you track your impact? You have aspirations and intent that your AVID kids will thrive in the next steps, but how do you know that you're having that impact? It's actually an um, item in our scorecard that we use on an annual basis with the board to measure our success. We track persistence in higher education. And we do it through a national um, clearing database where we're able to identify the students who had AVID, which college they went to, whether they're still enrolled their second year, their third year. Our persistence data is overwhelmingly compared to national averages, showing that those students who have that level of support, even if they don't have that level of support in college, are persisting at a much, much higher rate. And we've been doing that about the last five years, I think. We also know that depending on the kind of education path they choose, that it still may, it's, it still, um, may take them longer. It may, not that they'll be taking all remedial classes, but that they might need more coursework. Because again, they're coming from backgrounds typically where they might not have had some of the same opportunities at home as some of the others. One of the things that we've talked a lot about is the changing classroom about, uh, you know, online tools, Mm -hmm. personalized learning, a lot of things like that. And what we've been tracking at Voice San Diego, too, is a lot of talk, as I alluded to earlier, about graduation rates and how do you make sure, you know, it's, you know, you really achieved something for that um, student. But also, so it brings up a question. It feels like there's a lot of effort of, you know, getting kids through the process and using often online credit recovery courses to help them get to the credits they need to get through um, uh, high school, but it, but it it feels like that's become kind of a safety net in a way of just like getting them 
literally out, right? And yet, um, there is a role for online education that doesn't have to just be this sort of fallback. It could be, um, uh, you know, an augmenting reality of, of what you're doing. So what are you learning about what technology can help you do to achieve, you know, your goals for these students versus where it goes bad? Yeah. So let me give you a couple of different answers. One with my superintendent hat on. Yeah. And what we found was that the more independent and confident the student was, the better the online learning could actually align with what we would define as rigor. Interesting. When the student was not confident or not well prepared, assuming that they could now do that by themselves in an online vehicle, maybe they'd get through it, but it wasn't the most powerful way to get them to where we wanted them to be. But isn't that like synonymous with credit recovery? I mean, students who need credit recovery, uh, it's almost um, a given that they don't have a lot of confidence and maybe even a lot of, um, you know, wherewithal. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I don't, if, if you're assuming that the online is for somebody who's needing to take it again, I would challenge whether or not that's the best vehicle for all those students. I'm not saying it wouldn't work for some, but for all of them. I found that the students who couldn't get a health class into their curriculum because their day was so full, but was doing pretty well in their academics, could be very successful with online. What is it? When you describe that independent student, I understand that vaguely, but what specifically are the attributes of how that person acts and and takes in information and, and is resourceful? Well, again, it, it's it, you might have to even picture it by subject. Okay. Okay. If you asked me to take an online science class, yeah. I would do very poorly. If I took an online leadership development class or um, how to handle conflict or some other things that I've been practicing, you know, for a long time, I'd probably do pretty well. And so I would say the same thing with a student. If you have a student who's not a very good reader for whatever reason, um, and then you ask them to take a highly technical reading class online, there may just not be enough support there, or they may not know who to ask when they don't understand something. My, my, actually, I'm going to have three parts to this answer. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'll try to be quick. No. Uh, what Avid is trying to do now is, um, and, and is doing actually, is putting together some tools that allow students to practice Avid strategies when they're not in class. So uh, we've got a, a um, an e-binder. So we teach these organizational skills. So now we have e-binder. So you can work with your e-binder even when you're not in class. We're looking at some apps that reinforce the higher level questioning strategies. The third answer um, about not just technology, but one of the things that I found, and I really didn't understand this as a superintendent, it's since I've been able to interact with as many avid kids as I have, that when they get into what we call the tutorial, they get very comfortable asking questions that they don't know the answers to and practicing how to get there with their um, friends. What's the tutorial? The tutorial is where there is um, a student from a college who serves as the tutor, and they sit in a circle with five kids, I think, or six. Five to seven. Five to seven. And the student has to come with a point of confusion. And they put their point of confusion up, and the tutor teaches them how to ask questions to get through that point of confusion. And eventually, now maybe you should take over, Chewy, because (laughs) eventually the student becomes the tutor. Do you want to describe how that works? So technically, um, the person that's confused, the person that's confused um, waits, um, tries to break down what they're trying to um, 
find out like the the answer and from there the people that are trying to help him ask questions and then he tries to um answer those questions and then put it into his point of confusion and then he would um acknowledge it and then try to get the answers and then at the end um get the steps to um resolving the problem and my reason in pointing that up in reference to your question about independence is when you think everybody else in the class understands and you're the only one that doesn't you don't get very brave about raising the question when you've practiced it multiple times, you get much braver about saying, I need help. That's a really good point. I remember, I, th- I th- looking back, I think one of the most valuable things about college for me was just that I had to figure it out. And not like the school, the academics. I mean, just figuring out how to get through it, get your finances taken care of, get your um, registration taken care of, get your graduation done. I mean, filing for graduation, all that sort of stuff. Like It kind of t- teaches you to... You just have to get it done. Nobody's going to do it for you. And that's what you're talking about is practicing that you, you got to ask for directions sometimes. You have to you have to be resourceful that way. Tui, tell me about your... I'm always curious about, and I'm glad that we have a student here. I'm curious about students' online life these days. What is what is it like to be a senior right now with uh, with the internet and with social media? And, uh, and, you know, how does it help and how does it distract you? The way it helps me or others as well, it's like you just, you find other resources and like gain help. And then those distractions would be um, technically like not being able to actually um, have face to face with somebody else. Yeah. You lose a little bit of humanity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Well, so Jill, what, what's the next step? Uh, what are you guys looking to do now um, to further personalize and, and get kids through this? Really, we're just continuing with our goal of getting students prepared to be successful in college and life and learning from that first graduating senior class that we had, um, moving on to how do we better prepare students, you know, that Chewy is in our second class of seniors, and we've learned so much from that first year of getting them because our goal is that 100% apply and 100% get accepted. If those students end up choosing to go a different route, that is fantastic for them, but we want to make sure that they all had that opportunity to go to college and that we gave them everything they needed. And so really just continuing to further improve our program and our systems that we have in place um, continuing to look at um, outside resources for grants to help pay for things like AP tests and college applications that perhaps at some other schools it's not an issue because the money's there. But we have students that if you want to take four AP tests, we're going to make sure that you have the funds to take four AP tests. Got it. So um, I wonder if if um, Chewy or Jill, you can reflect on what would O'Farrell be without Avid? Why, you, know, you have this amazing mission, this amazing intent. So um, how, why was it so important for you to integrate AVID? And, and Chewy, maybe you can think about if, if you can imagine what your experience in high school and, and I guess you started in eighth grade would have been without AVID as, as part of it. Maybe we'll start with, with Chewy. I feel that without AVID, you wouldn't um, be able to have the extra help from teachers and like your, your students. And it would be just like a regular school and just um, trying to get through with your classes and being able to um, get that the help to 
carry on your uh, future successes as well. I, I remember high school just being, yeah, this blur of I go here next, I go here next. And it would have been really nice to have a guide, you know, a, a process that I was, a, 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 a story I was going through. And uh, so I'm envious. Good job. Uh, Jill, did you want to answer that? Too? For us, AVID, for me personally, as I mentioned, I started teaching AVID at O'Farrell, and at that point, it was just an AVID elective class. I had four walls to my classroom, and AVID was Jill. Oh, that's Jill's thing. Jill does that. It, it was just me. Mm. And so to live through that growth of where we are now, that we truly are a school-wide system, we live and breathe AVID and that college readiness and the you know strategies that are going to help students be successful in all of our classes. Um, but really what we would be without AVID is... Um, what it's given us is it has given us fantastic teachers who are well-trained and use absolute best practices in classrooms to keep students engaged in the, the learning that is taking place. We have students who own their learning. It's not teacher-driven. It's students-driven. The students are the ones asking the questions and doing the learning and really digging into that content themselves with the guidance of the teachers. Um, and it's given us all a common mission. We... We started as a middle school and we realized that our eighth graders were going off and some of them were slipping through the cracks at other high schools. And we wanted, we knew we'd prepared them well and we wanted them to be able to make it to that next step into college. And so that's why we made the decision to expand to the high school. But it's given us that common vision that even down in our elementary classes, our teachers know that we're all working towards preparing our students to be successful in high school, in college, and then so on with their life. This is um, Avid was born here in San Diego. It we, was. We haven't mentioned that yet. Um, so it's just really exciting to hear how this thing that germinated here in our own community has has gone across the nation is having such great impact on kids. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the founder, Mary Catherine Swanson, who was the teacher who saw students like uh, Chewy and knew that they had huge talent, but without putting some additional structures in place, she was worried. Mm-hmm. And so she started just by herself in her classroom. It spread across her school and then across the county. And now, like I said, and I forgot to mention, we're also in 16 countries, yeah. mostly Department of Defense schools. Um, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful place for me to be in my career after working um, so hard to make sure that everyone gets there. And now I get to enjoy being the support system for educators and students across the whole nation. Well, cool. Well, Sandy, Jill, Chewy, thanks for coming in today. And uh, good luck, Chewy. I hope we hear back. Uh, We'll update people about what your choice is uh, for your next step. Thank you. All right. And this has been The Voice San Diego uh, and uh, Good Schools for All with the Education Synergy Alliance. Thanks for joining us. 